Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to The Hang. In this episode, we are hanging with world-renowned, award-winning magician Dynamo. In this hang, we talk about his new three-part magic special, Beyond Belief. Beyond Belief documents Dynamo from when he fell ill in July 2017 and his recovery from a career-threatening illness which left him with chronic arthritis. From his hospital bed, he did not let fear or the odds that were stacked against him stop Dynamo from being the gift that he is. He adapted, he reinvented, and he rediscovered. I was eager to try and get into Dynamo's creative process. I find it incredibly inspiring that he came from a humble beginning on a council estate in Bradford, West Yorkshire, England, and developed this beyond belief artistry, which now finds him performing on royal estates and the biggest stages around the world. I love how Dynamo also tries to maintain his connection to his humble roots in the extraordinary surroundings his artistry has taken and afforded him. Watching Beyond Belief left me believing the unbelievable. And hanging with Dynamo left me believing that we can achieve the unbelievable. Well, Dynamo, welcome to The Hang. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Good to be here. Well, listen, I really appreciate you giving us this time, and I've been looking forward to it. Um, as on a future podcast of mine, Darren from DNA hooked us up. Yeah, man. And, uh, he's I'm so he's glad a good he guy. Did. Yeah, man. He, I, I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's always told me so much about your amazing work. And then I've obviously got to look into it a little bit over the last few weeks. So, you know, I'm kind of likewise, I'm a, I'm a fan. Thanks, man. Now, listen, um, you're one of the world's, I don't think there is anyone like you on earth with what you do as a magician, as an illusionist, as an artist. I'm not even sure you need much of an introduction, but I got really interested in this new series you're doing, Dynamo Beyond Belief, which we'll dive into. But I want to be careful that, you know, I'm one of those that believes if you believe in magic, magic never dies. So I'm not here to, I'm going to be very careful not to talk about how do you do this? How do you do that? Because I have a ton of those questions like anyone will when they see this program, it's jaw dropping. But it's not, what I found surprising, I wasn't watching it like the being blown away by the magic because you kind of knew you were gonna be and I was blown away by the magic. But what 
got me really involved was how connected to the human, uh, to, to humanity was the human emotion. And I think, and that's where we can start off with, specifically with this program, Beyond Belief, is the seeds were planted when you were at your darkest. When you were in hospital, I believe July 17th, uh, July 2017, when this all started for you. And I thought this program really took us on a, an emotional journey. At times, I was getting choked up, and, and that's where the magic became as beautiful as it was inspiring and awesome. You know, there was that element of, holy shit, but then there was, I was moved how you move some of these people. And I really want to get into that creative process of yours with, regarding that. So if we start, I guess let's pick up the story at July 2017. So at this point, let's might as well ask you, your director is Dan Albion and um, Alex Hartman? Yeah, so... so Where does Dan Alex Albion, come into it? So uh, me and Dan Albion have been business partners and friends and business partners for, I'd say, almost 20 years now. And he is exec producer of my shows, plus he helps to write the shows and come up with the overarching context and just kind of brings everything together. You know, he takes some of the crazy ideas in my mind and makes them become a reality um, in a way that the normal muggles of the world can understand. And, and then Alex Hartman is a guy who is the director. He directed my last TV series, Magician Possible, uh, series four, and he we had to bring him back for you know for the new show. Uh, we've worked with him actually on pretty much every project I've ever done, but he slowly developed his skill set to the point where he's now an incredible director. Whereas when we first started working with him, he was working in the edit. So he's really, okay. you know, he's he's evolved over the years in the same way that we've evolved. And I think just the way that we work together um, just really does create something magical. Well, you it, it makes sense now that you say that because there was a lot of seamless transitions because you were, and we'll, we'll try and puzzle this together because there's so much going on. And now you have this incredible team that you can tell there's a, a shorthand between you guys because... They're, they really captured, again, your your personal struggle and how that developed. And you you get this, that journey through the series, which, again, Alex did a beautiful job directing along with Dan. So is Dan also a magician? Does he get, does he understand the illusions? Does he understand your creations right. as well? Or do you just give him enough to kind of, for him to storyboard it and get that arc? With Dan, he never really knew anything about magic until I guess he kind of, until I came into his life. And then since then he fell in love with it. And like me, you know, he's just addicted to it and obsessed by it. And Dan's a sort of person when he, when he kind of gets involved in something, he's like all in. And mm -hmm. he wants to understand everything he can in order to be able to, to create the best product, so to speak. So what Dan is super amazing at is translating the idea and being able to share it in a way that, that every man can understand it. You know, right. Dan not being a magician means that he views things from a, a normal person's perspective. I'm not saying that, you know, no, I'm not a normal person. 
but I think it's important that you know sometimes when I'm when you're into something specific like theatre or you're into you know dance or 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 magic for example we can as artists get caught up in the technical side of things yeah we can we can almost sometimes you know we see all the little nuances but Dan will probably maybe watch it and go well that looks exactly the same as that thing so I don't think you should waste time on that you should maybe try something new which which can stand apart from that even though there might be technical things that make the thing I'm doing better um, it sometimes being in the magic world almost can consume me too much and I need Dan to kind of bring me out of it in order to bring me and put the magic into the real world well again I was as an audience member and I watched it with my family we were never alienated to something that was like you say, if it's too technical or too otherworldly, we we can't connect to it. And we were led by our hearts and our, our the spirit of the story. Yeah, yeah. Like Dan really does help to find the heart in everything we do, and then share it out to the world in a way that I might not have ever imagined. Because I'm just, yeah, I just like I like this really cool piece of magic, and I think it connects on a real deep level. But for me, the focus is the magic, whereas Dan sees the bigger picture. And I think it's important to have somebody in your life, you know, especially if you're in like the the arts that we're into, um, to really showcase what you do to its its best. Well, you grow. You grow with good collaborations and people you trust. And I think there's a limit on how much advice you seek. But once you've found those people you trust who you're not afraid to have them cut some of your creation a bit or alter it in a way that you're not overly sensitive about. Yeah, there's this, I forget who said this quote, but there's that quote of, you know, you have to kill your darlings in order to, you know, to find the best darlings to share. Well, I can't remember who said that that quote, but it's, but it's important. It's important that you have people around you that are honest and, and that you're open for criticism. And that's, Mm. you have to remember if someone who you trust is telling you, but they don't like something you do or that they're not into it, they're not necessarily telling you just to be a pain. They're telling you because they think it will better what you're doing. And, you know, like me and Dan have this relationship um, where we can be honest with each other and it does help both of us find greatness within each other. That's amazing. And that's, that's I think, very important on the way up and then stay at the top as like you are. So you're in the hospital um, you have you you have Crohn's disease, but you had terrible case of food poisoning, which altered your life for the next what almost three years, right? To get to yeah. where you are now. So I was diagnosed with Crohn's when I was fourteen, and I basically became my way of life. It had its you know had its problems and it made life difficult, but it became like the new normal for me, and I've lived with it for obviously over twenty years, and then. Throughout that time, I've had the occasional flare-up and a few operations, uh, resections, different things, you know, to kind of deal with the, the situation. But I've never really let it limit me. I've always just tried to live with it and not let it stop me from doing the things that I love to do. And I think having magic and having something to focus on that was my passion would often make me not feel the pain that my body was going through at the time. Right. But in 2017, I had felt a pain that, was not possible to get past 
mentally. Uh, I was vomiting blood. I w- blood was coming out of all of the orifices without going into too right. much detail. I don't know when people are listening to be sure they want to put off their lunch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a real bad time. I remember getting rushed to hospital at like four o'clock in the morning and they tried to get rid of the pain with all the different medications to the point where even the highest dosage of morphine wasn't really touching the sides. But eventually wow. it calmed me down and they were able to then start testing me and figure out what was actually going on. And then over a few days of testing, they found that it was a food poisoning called Campylobacter, which is one of the worst types of food poisoning. But combined with my existing condition, it was a bad recipe. It was only a recipe right. for disaster, really. And it caused me to end up being in hospital for quite a few weeks. And I had to kind of reevaluate my whole Crohn's. So, like, the way I was dealing with my Crohn's, I had to change my diet completely uh, from what was already quite a restrictive diet. Um, I had to kind of, you know, just basically take a step back and use, you know, use time to recover. Whereas I'm used to kind of going full speed, you know, I'm always on the next project. I'm always working. Mm-hmm. I think that's what keeps me going. You know, I often find that when you stop and let illness set in, that's when it kind of gets you. You know, like if you have a bit of a cold, but you still get up and go to work and you go to the gym and try and work through it. It's not until you have that day where you spend the whole day in bed resting, trying to recover, but you actually, the cold gets you the worst. And I've yeah. always found that just by keeping moving, um, you know, that's the way I've kind of got through any adversities that I've ever had put in my way. But this was one time where my body was telling me, you have to stop. And I think it was important that I listened to my body at that time. But it was frightening because I had all these commitments for work and I was not able to necessarily fulfill a lot of them because I was so ill. And then even when I thought the illness had subsided and we'd got some medication that was helping me deal with it, well, one of the things that happened was the illness brought on a new side effect to my Crohn's that I never had, which was arthritis in 32 joints in my body, which for a magician who need my dexterity and, you know, Mm. my kind of the skill set I need revolves around me being quick and dexterous. But I now couldn't even pick up a pack of cards and shuffle them without it being uncomfortable and really painful in my hands. So I almost felt like my career was over. And it was, yeah, it was a very dark time. It was a very worrying time. And in some ways, I was kind of more worried, not necessarily for, for me, I was more worried about the people around me, the Dan Albions, the Alex Hartmans, the crew that work on my shows, the, the team that work with me on a regular basis, because it, I've already kind of achieved any dreams, ambitions I ever had as a kid. I've far exceeded that. And I'm kind of just riding this amazing wave and just so fortunate to be able to keep doing what I do and have a successfully long career, um, touch wood. Um, but yeah. then, then I'm like, I've got you know 12 people uh, on my payroll and kind of, you know, a team that, work really hard and kind of they rely on me as much as I rely on them and I was worried well this is not just my life that could be over this could affect them and it made me kind of have to think all right never being a defeatist I wanted to find a way back and I thought well okay I accept the fact that I might not be able to physically perform in my usual way but I've still got my mind maybe I can find a way to share the magic in a different way a bit like what everyone's having to do now where 
we found ourselves in unprecedented times and we're having to face yeah. a new normal and we're doing this podcast via an app that neither of us never even used before. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're all having to work from home and adapt to the situation. That's kind of what I had to do when I was in hospital. I was isolated there. I was in quarantine for quite a while because they thought I was contagious. So I wow. literally was, I was stuck there for a couple of weeks on my own with nothing but my thoughts and my imagination and the crazy amount of drugs that they put me on, which was giving me some insane magic ideas. I wrote the ideas in my book and ended up, you know, once I got better, decided to bring these ideas to life. So from that dark place in hospital, I was able to create magic that never would have happened otherwise. Well, that's what's interesting as you were talking and seeing how you, 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 you allowed your body to finally rest. But I feel like you kind of did, but you kind of didn't either. But by not doing that and adapting and almost retraining yourself and reinventing perhaps my, how my, you approach something, it might have, it helped probably save you and give you that strength because purpose is a great uh, bit of medicine. Yeah, well, it's when you say that I didn't let it rest, I let my body rest, but my mind couldn't rest. It wasn't even like I didn't try to let my mind rest. I have a very overactive imagination. I think I always have, and I think it's partly why I do what I do, and my mind works in mysterious ways because well, of it. I bet it does. Yeah. Um, but I think it was important that I had something to focus my mind mentally on to give me, like I say, a purpose, because I did feel like my purpose was disappearing. I didn't really see the point in me being alive if I couldn't perform magic because that was my identity. That was how I, you know, lived my life for the last 20 years and with that gone I didn't really understand what my reason for being around was and that possibly was partly depression kicking in possibly the the realization of a situation but I think I needed to feel that in order to find this new place and then find my way out of it so I think it was important for me and a real important lesson in how I grew as a person. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before the illness, were you the type that always, or were you self-documenting like you, like we see in this beyond belief? Is that something you normally did anyways, where you would touch base with fans if something, something during your day, if something gone wrong, or if you're just having a bad day or a good day? Hey guys, just checking in. I'll be honest. I always try to keep my personal life just separate. I wanted right. people to talk about my magic, but I've never really had a desire to be famous, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I just, I've always had a desire to be the best 
magician and the best performer I could be and I dedicate my life to it. But then throughout my year life having Crohn's, it's considered one of the invisible illnesses, meaning that you can often look at me and not tell that I've got anything wrong with me because my insides are messed up, but it's on the outside, you know, I mean, I was blessed, right? That's right, <laughs> um, you beautiful boy, but, you. But, but yeah, so when I was on the medication to deal with the arthritis and to deal with the symptoms of the food poisoning and all the after effects that came with that, it started to change my appearance to the point where I couldn't hide away and people were starting to notice that I looked different and there was something definitely was going on in my life. So I had to address the situation because the paparazzi got photos of me looking very different and I wanted yeah. to make sure that people who supported me over the years knew what was going on from the horse's mouth, so to speak, rather than just taking information from a newspaper that could be incorrect. Yeah, because you shot up like 35 pounds, two and a half stones. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. And that was two and a half stone, which pretty much came onto holiday in the space of two weeks. And for someone Jeez. who's spent my whole life you know, as an adult life, eight stone when wet, you know, to then up, to then go to like 10 and a half stone almost overnight was just crazy because it wasn't even like it was in normal places. I don't necessarily, you know, I've, I've always been fortunate, but I've always been quite a slender guy. But the weight went on weird parts of my body and it was yeah. really uncomfortable. I, like it gave me, it was difficult walking, difficult getting out of bed, you know, um, it really affected my joints and I think having the arthritis as well was you know probably not helped by that situation although the medication that I was on made me feel invincible in some respects um, it was you know it was a steroid treatment um, which definitely is a bit of a miracle drug and it makes you feel like 10 men but right. but it also made me look like 10 men <laughs> at the same time so you know and it gave me a uh, horrible rash all over my face and all of my body and like I said, you know, people who knew me started to notice it. Uh, and I just felt that it was important to let people know what was going on. But then off the back of that, the outpouring of support was just overwhelming, but also showed me that I wasn't alone in this situation, that people had my no. back. And also people who were going through similar situations started to share their stories and their images of them on the same medication, which made me think, well, okay, there's other people going through this and now they're feeling confident to talk about it because I've shared my story. So I think actually there's a lot of positive to come out of this. And if I take, if I don't think about myself in this moment and just think about how it can maybe help other people, then it can potentially be for the greater good. And I kept documenting stuff whilst I was in hospital. I was obviously not able to film my TV show at that time, so things had to be put on hold. But I was kind of documenting my own prosperity. But because okay. of the support that came in and seeing the impact that my posts were having on people, people's lives who were also going through tough times, it made me think, you know what, this maybe should go in the show. And Dan and Alex and Rolly and the team that basically worked on the show with me were able to take that and kind of combine it with all the incredible, beautiful, stylized shots from the show and just make a TV show that I think looks like nothing else on the planet. And not just magic shows. I, I think genuinely, I think they did such an incredible job directing the show. But they, you know, I don't care about if I get any awards for 
I'm actually clever. Like I say, I've already achieved anything I ever imagined, and I'm super fortunate. I just get to do what I love for a living. But the work that them guys put into making the show look as good as it did definitely deserves commending. And if if anything, just my commendation now, just thanking them. Um, I don't know if they, I have thanked them obviously in person, but you know, like it needs to be shared because them guys they went above and beyond and they created some real magic there uh, I know it sounds cliched but it's what they did like complements what I did so perfectly and I'm just super proud of the work we've done together oh it's a beautiful beautiful uh the way they transitioned and as we develop and as we follow your 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 storyline your medical storyline and the what you were finding as a, a magician and the way your mind was working at certain points of your illness in the hospital then developed into these, I guess, tricks, magic, illusions that we get to see that you were, which we'll get into about how you yeah. went all over the world to do it. But who, while we're talking about this amazing production, and you're absolutely right, I do think it deserves awards. And uh, even the il- illustrations, who who did that? They were phenomenal. So when I did my arena tour, in 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. I, I, we got this company uh, called Blue Zoo, I believe it was Blue Zoo, um, but my manager Dan found, and we basically tied the whole show together. Whenever I needed to go off and like do an outfit change or to tell to tell the story in between the pieces of magic, we had these animated, uh, we had the same sort of animations, um, but done throughout the stage show, and. We both, me and Dan, for after this tour, if we ever do a new TV show, we have to in, include animations like this. And yeah. then when we obviously got the show, um, we realized that there was so much of the story that we were not able to film because I was in hospital and we couldn't have the cameras in there. And although I was documenting things on my phone, there were so many pieces of the puzzle missing. Mm. So we actually, Dan, thought, you know what, the telling the story, the bits that we can't show through the animation it's the perfect justification for having the animation there and also some of the things in the animations if we'd have filmed it for real it would have been a bit too graphic so right. rather than show it graphically in video for in like you know in, in like in reality we showed it in a graphic novel fashion so it's still I graphic thought, but it's graphic in a different way yeah and i thought it was great and it linked everything together nicely now while I'm on that topic of illustrations, in your credits, you thank Damien Hurst. Why is that? So the notebook that I wrote all my ideas down when I was in my hospital bed was actually a notebook given to me by Damien Hurst many years ago when I performed at his son's birthday party. And it's a really cool notebook uh, called Beyond Belief. It's a Beyond Belief notebook. Um, and right. obviously inspired the name of the, the show. And I didn't know that. I thought that was just... I, uh, merch for the show you know no no it wasn't it was uh it was the damien hurst uh, merch and i was i asked him you know i said oh listen I've, I've written all these ideas whilst i've been sick and i want to bring these ideas to life in my new show i actually want to call it beyond belief and would you be happy for me to use you know for the notebook in the show and he was like what yeah he's like just you know of course man like he loves what i do and you know we we have mutual respect for one another and he was more than happy for me to use it and i think yeah it's such a cool notebook i mean you know maybe maybe there is a a, a merch deal to be done there um, but yeah but like for me it was just like i always have a notebook i've got one right here where i'm always writing my ideas down and kind of you know just seeing what magic comes out 
of my, of well, my crazy mind each day. So well, that's that what I want to. That was the book. That's what I want to tap into now. This crazy mind of yours. And when you were talking about resting but not resting, you can't rest the mind. How noisy is your brain? Do you ever want it to shut down? Do you ever want the noise to go away, or just things literally just come to your head that you start writing down subconsciously, and then see what develops, or is the idea there? Boom, it's created. Sorry, I missed all that. My noise in my brain was so loud at that time. I just missed everything you were saying. Um, no, uh, like I, I think what I have is I have this slight issue that once creativity hits, then it just goes and I have to make sure that I get it down somewhere. I write on my iPad or, or I get it out or I call friends and share, you know, say like, guys, if I did this, do you think it'd be crazy? Or, or am I just being a madman? And if it's like that can happen i can wake up at three in the morning with an idea and right. you know Dar darren from dna who obviously a mutual friend of ours he'll tell you like there's so many times that i've woke him up in the middle of the night um on the first time saying yo i've got this idea and he's like okay just got a bed man and i'm like no when, really? when they when when the creativity hits you have to strike you know and i've i guess did yeah, that come with practice do you find because obviously you now i want to ask you about the beginning that's not something that you would have done instantly i'm sure or were you always like that as a kid or did did someone kind of say we'll just get it down or you would get it down and did you find the more practice you did at honoring the thoughts sooner rather than later as opposed to i'll write it down when i get home do you find you get more adapt to doing that do you get better at doing that is that become i think early on i had to share these ideas you know i was getting the creativity was coming to me and I needed to share it with other people almost in some ways, I guess I maybe needed validation, but what I was thinking was, you know, was potentially a good idea. But then over the years, you know, having done numerous successful shows, I realized that I don't necessarily need people's validation as much anymore because I'm, I have a bit of self-confidence from my previous work, but what mm -hmm. I come up with, is going to hopefully get the same sort of response. So what I find myself doing, and also because I realised that not everybody kind of uh, sleeping patterns is the same as mine. I'm, I'm quite a nocturnal creature, so I often my ideas come so late in the night, but there's nobody else awake for me to call unless I'm waking people up. So I started to, I was, I thought, you know what? Rather than wake people up, I need to get these ideas out. But maybe I'll start writing them in a notebook. And I started keeping notebooks then over the last few years. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll write the ideas down, but I'll probably go to sleep myself. And when I wake up, I'll look at the ideas again. And sometimes they don't make any sense to me. But then if right. they don't make sense to me, then I just I erase them. But if they do make sense to me, then I know I've got something good because I've almost slept on it and woke up in the morning. And then the, good, the ones that survive are the ones that then I go and share with my team and say, guys, what do you think of these ideas? See, that's inspiring because even someone like me, I could take that with songwriting or lyrics when I feel lately I've not been doing much or I have an idea but I don't write it down so now maybe I'll adopt this practice and just see what happens and if I come back to the I, next day that lyric if I was no to sense. recommend if it is something that I would recommend um, there's a book by Ryder Carroll called the bullet right. journal method and okay his his note-taking system changed my entire life right really? I came I actually read his book whilst I was in hospital and I had my notebook then but if I'm honest, the notebook was organized chaos. 
like if I was to hand you it, you would not be able to make any sense of it, which in some ways is quite a good thing as a magician's notebook because I want people to read my book of spells and uh, divulge I was going to say, have you ever but, lost a notebook? Um, I've definitely lost a few notebooks, but I think when I lost them back in the day, they weren't very easy to read. Uh, so I'm quite, you know, I think it's quite safe. But okay. since, since reading Ryder Carroll's book, The Bullet Journal Method, it's made me be able to organise my note-taking system and given it you know everything just makes so much more sense and it and it has fluidity and the system that he teaches in this book basically it's it allows you to like write make notes of ideas but then come back to them later with new ideas to attach to them so it's like it's oh, constantly nice. evolving the process so you don't just have an idea and then that's the idea it tells you how to grow the ideas into bigger things and how to evolve them over time um, so yeah, definitely check out that book. Like I say, it, I it's a it's a it's a note taking system, but it's the best note taking system I've ever come across, and I've tried many. So. Let's go back. If I said to you, Kenneth Walsh, yes, that's my grandpa. He was the reason that I do magic in the first place. I read that, and I thought that was beautiful. So he was in the army. He was in World War Two. He was in the navy, uh, and wow. before that, he would before the war, before he got drafted. He was worked in the in the mills in Bradford. It was very famous for having like wool mills and silk mills, and he would work in the mills. And then he ended up getting drafted to the war, went into World War Two, uh, survived, and out, out of that, you know, he ended up uh, meeting my grandma uh, Nelly. They got married, and ever since I've ever knew him, he would always amaze me with magic tricks. Now, I, so, I assume that he must have picked them up in the war. I don't know where he learned them. He always used to tell me that he used to do these things to keep the morale high with all the other troops. And they so would, like, what, show at each what age is this? Stunts. How old are you now when he starts doing this to you? So when I first started showing me magic, I was seven. Like, he'd obviously been doing it for many years before I was even yeah. born. But when I was seven, uh, uh, that's the, I can, the youngest I can remember him showing me anything. It was a very simple piece of magic in some respects, even though I don't know how he did it to this day. He had a little matchbox. He would open it, show me that it was full of matches, shake it, and you could hear the matches rattling around. And then he placed the matchbox on my hand, and then he'd just snap his fingers and say, open it. And when I opened it, the matches had just disappeared. Like, it was amazing, the I... most amazing thing I've ever seen. And that feeling that he gave me stayed with me to this day and that's the feeling I wanted to always try and give my audiences so I could see a lot of maybe Grandpa Walsh into your work because that's sort of there's a very simple approach to what you do when I think that's what I loved watching I'm like he's just a normal dude that suddenly does something so otherworldly that's part of the thing that I wanted when putting the clips from the hospital into the show, right? Because you touched on it earlier, and I was going to bring it back up, but you've just led me into it perfectly here. So what I like about Beyond Belief is that you have these moments where I'm in hospital and, you know, I'm clearly a human being and I'm clearly going through troubled times, uh, which everybody can kind of relate to because we're all going through mm. tough things at some point, at one point or in our lives. And then from that, you see me develop ideas, which then I bring to life once I'm better and I'm filming and you see me looking back to all my glory. But then just when you see this amazing thing, 
whoop, we're back in the hospital and it brings you back down to earth. Yeah. And it yeah. and it, it not it doesn't just do that for the people watching at home, it does that for me as well. It reminds everybody that okay, yeah, you might not be able to you might not all be able to go out and do this incredible thing that Dynamo has just done. But like you, he also goes through tough times and like you he also struggles and has to battle his demons. Um, to then go on to hopefully find some positive from it all and I think that was super important to have in the show and I think it made the it made the show I think in my opinion the most honest magic show that there's ever been that's a perfect Which, way to put it Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky? in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's a slightly oxymoron when you think of magic shows because most magic shows mm. often are about deception and about getting one over on people. But I've never wanted to perform and fool people or trick people. I've, I've always wanted to perform and have people not come to watch a show and think, right, I want to try and figure this out. I want them to come and watch it and just try and embrace the environment and just get lost in that world of wonder for the hour that they watch the show. And they come on a journey with me and we, do, we go on this experience together and it's not about trying to fool people or trying to get one over on someone. It's trying to share something incredible with someone, but hopefully not only will amaze them, but will also inspire. It does all that. And it, you're right. It, it's that journey. We do go, we watching it go on a journey, but also you and the person that you, you pick in the street or however it's set up, they go through something that's very personal and it's very human. You talk a lot in Beyond Belief about slowing down, about living in gratitude, taking things for granted. So prior to this, you were doing sellout arenas, which is unheard of, especially at such a young age in the industry you were and the uh, discipline you were doing. So my last TV series was Magician Impossible 2014. And then I left TV because I wanted to focus on creating a live experience. And then we ended up touring for like two and a half years and then I was getting ready to go back into television after finishing that tour and then unfortunately fell sick. So I had to put the TV show on hold, which ended up becoming a three-year process for recovery and discovery and then finding my way back to full health and being able to finish off what ended up becoming Beyond Belief. Um, but yeah, for me, when I was younger, I never had any desire whatsoever to go on stage. The stage scared me. I was more than comfortable just being in the street, performing up close and personal, but being on stage, being on the, the end of the spotlight was petrifying. But then the success of Magician Impossible, my first TV series, was so huge that I couldn't just perform magic on the streets anymore without causing a huge crowd. And I wanted to find a way that my 
fans who supported me and put me in that position were able to come and experience magic firsthand, but in in large groups, and ended up creating the you know this spectacle of a show called Seeing Is Believing, um, working obviously alongside Dan Albion, my you know lifetime business partner, who works mm-hmm. on everything with me, and you know we created uh, an experience like no other. It was the first time a magician had ever headlined the O2 Arena. I did three shows at the O2. Um, we did, I think, 111 shows in the UK alone. It was only Holy supposed to be a 10-day tour. Supposed to be a 10-day tour, and then we ended up uh, adding so many more shows and moving into arenas throughout the tour. And I never had any desire to ever go on stage, let alone go on stage in an arena. But I'm so glad I did it. It was the best experience of my life. And I can't wait till the world's in a place again where we can do live tours in that type of venue because having done that once, it's something that I definitely want to come back to. And with all the new ideas I've been thinking of recently, I think we could create something even more magical and try and bring that Beyond Belief vibes to an arena. So we still have intimacy, but we have that huge spectacle and create something that you know, people can experience. And I now totally appreciate and understand why you enjoy going on stage. Uh, before, I'd watch chapters, I'd think, you guys are mad. Like, why do you want to go and be on the spotlight? Why do you want to have all that pressure on you? But I realised from doing the show, it started off when I'd go on stage and I'd be like, oh my God, there's like 5,000 people there waiting to see me. And then by the end of it, I was doing shows at the Auto Arena and there was 12,000 people a night. And But what I'd learned is that I was no longer walking out on stage in front of 12,000 people. I was walking out on stage with 12,000 people. Mm. And once I reframed my mind and my perspective on it to being that and being a moment that we're sharing together, it took away any of that pressure. And it meant that I would have more fun with it, which in turn made my audience have more fun. And that was something I, you know, I had to go through that experience to learn that. But when you get back to that level of that magnitude and that, that size and that, that fame and the attention, the things you felt you took for granted that you realized in hospital, which was a lot of the heart of Beyond Belief, how do you then manage that when you get, perhaps you go back on such a big journey again? How do you I think balance that it? I think the, the balance is, you know, listening to my body, you know, not pushing myself too hard but right. knowing my limits and also you know really I think when I did that tour it was such a roller coaster I didn't really have time to think throughout the whole thing I was learning so much on the process but I didn't have time to really absorb it all and then now if I was to do it again I think doing it with the experience that I have acquired would mean that my whole approach would probably be a lot more disciplined and a lot more structured which then in turn should help long-term create a better performance, also be better for me mentally and physically and give the audience the amount of dedication that I think they deserve and they need in regards to the show itself being at the peak level of expertise that it can be. So when you're putting this together, when you come up with this, tr- I, I hate calling it trick because it's it's more than that. It's, it's more beautiful than that. Do you then... Because the script you use when you speak to them, do you know it's going to get emotional? Do you ever find, oh my God, this went somewhere I didn't think it was going to go? Do you ever get emotional? Do you, does it surprise take you ever by surprise? Oh, of course. I mean, that's the thing I love the most about performing magic. No matter how much I do it, 
every time I perform for someone, I never quite know how they're going to react or how they're going to respond. I obviously will work on my routines and want to try and bring out an emotion in somebody. I, I, I understand right. that if I'm doing something that's shocking, that it's going to cause a shocked reaction. If I'm doing something funny, it's going to cause people to laugh. You know, I understand that psychology and, and the performing styles. But for me, magic is one piece of art. And I do treat it as a piece of art. It is, it is a like mm. an art form that allows you to bring surprise to people in a world which I think we don't get surprised by that much anymore. We're so yeah. complacent of, of modern technology. We're so used to having a device in our pockets or just at hand that we can literally, you know, we can press a button on our phone and have food delivered to our door. We can, we, we have a phone in our pockets, which essentially is a TV screen to the world at all times. And I think we're so used to that, that we often find it hard to be amazed by the simple things anymore. And I think with magic, I get to dial it back in and, and bring people back to that childlike state of mind where before they knew or thought they knew how everything worked, and where if they saw something amazing, the first thing they would do is they would look to their parents and go, how's that work, dad? But then often what's quite funny is you see adults when they watch magic, what they'll do, the first thing they'll do is they'll look around at their friends as if they're looking for like a family member or a parent to tell them, to give yeah. them an answer. And I was I doing that. That's, that's, it's such an amazing thing that magic can do which i think many other art forms don't have the luxury of being able to do that they can move people in different ways but you don't have that element of surprise that comes with magic and that for me is probably why i'm still so addicted to it because although i can predict certain outcomes i can never fully know what's going to happen and that's also exciting because it keeps me on my toes that's beautiful so we were talking about your childhood, and that was in Delft Hill, Bradford. And you quoted by saying, "If you, if ma magic saved your life, magic kept you out of prison. Magic kept you on the right path." Yeah, yeah. So my father left us when I was four, and he he didn't necessarily leave out of choice. He went to jail, so he obviously okay. made choices that caused him to be in that position. Um, right. But yeah, he he left me and my mom. My mom had me when she was young. Uh, she was still at school and still studying. Um, so my grandparents kind of raised me and my great grandpa, Kenneth Walsh, was probably the main male constant in my life, the one role model that I had to look up to. And because of him, I think that's where I picked up all my sensibilities and, and he made me the man I am today. And if he had not been around, it's quite possible because of the surroundings I grew up in, I could have followed in the footsteps of my father. I could have ended up being in jail because of the people we were around I could have ended up you know not really following a path and, and not taking any opportunities that were put in my way because I maybe would have been blinded to them because I was just surrounded by the counsellor state that I grew up in and the mentality that came with that you often tell yourself and people would tell me that you can't make a living doing magic or you're not gonna you can't really you're never gonna get off the, off the counsellor state you're never gonna go further than Bradford Town Centre and if I'd have listened to the stories that people told me and made that the story that I lived by, then it probably would have come true. But because I did listen to them stories and I listened to the stories that my grandpa would tell me about believing in yourself and about being able to achieve anything and not taking no for an answer um, and just really kind of, I guess, trying to expand your horizons 
um, because of that attitude that came directly from my grandparents, it meant that I was willing to try things and I didn't necessarily care so much about failure. If, it, if things didn't work out, I would try and just learn right. why it didn't work out, learn from the failure and then try again. Well, yeah. And I do kind of live by this motto. So it's a, it's a line I've used in my books and in my TV shows in the past. You know, I, I genuinely believe it's better to try something and fail than it is to fail to try it in the first place. Well, yeah, failure and is not trying. Correct. Failure is not failure. It's failure a lesson. Is, it's a lesson, 100%. And I think once you map your mind around that and take each failure as a lesson, then you'll never fail at anything. Well, you talk about sensibilities. That sensibility you have to use a lot because on in the in Beyond Belief, you were at so many different locations. First of all, how long were you in each? We're talking from Mexico, as far as Mexico to Japan and everything in between. How long would you be at each location? So actually filming in a location, we'd probably only ever be there for two weeks max. Um, but sometimes we'd go there, you know, we'd even my, myself or Dan or the member of the team would go for like a, a recce, which essentially yeah. is where they go and scout locations, they go and check out the place and find, you know, get permissions to film in the coolest places in Japan or the coolest places in Russia or Mexico, uh, America. And so sometimes, you know, they're there for like two weeks before we even do any filming. But a lot of the times, it's the first time I've ever been to this place. I'll obviously, you know, do my research and try and embed myself into the culture and find out what, you know, what's going to be the most amazing magic that can fit that scenario. But mm -hmm. I also like the fact of sometimes me experiencing it for the first time as well as the audience experiencing it for the first time. Right. And for me, one of the reasons why I love traveling so much is that it goes back, like I say, to my childhood where people, you know, you were lucky if you ever got to go on holiday I think the furthest I went when I was a kid was a school trip to Landudno in Wales. And that was like a holiday for me. It was a two-day <laughs> school trip. Um, you know, I we never could afford to really go further afield. And it wasn't until I was like, you know, 14, 15, where I even got a chance to go on an aeroplane um, with my grandparents. And, you know, so I always wanted to travel. But I used to read when I was younger and I'd read about like the pyramids in Egypt. And I would read about all these amazing places and I'd get to live and experience them vicariously through reading the books from the author's interpretation. So right. I always wished I always wished that one day I want to be able to go visit these places. But I was happy when I was younger just living the experiences through the books and realising the power of story and the power of imagination and how just because you're confined to a tiny flat on a council estate with no money doesn't mean that you can't have experiences that exceed the boundaries of your walls. And because of that, it meant that my imagination would just constantly run wild. And that's probably part why my, my mind is so noisy because I'm constantly trying to fill it with new knowledge and expand the horizons of my own mind because I think it's important just to keep growing. And I haven't, I never really stopped the learning process. Some people, when they finish school, they almost stop learning and they just go into doing. Uh, mm. They go into doing a job and doing a job a certain way and they, they create a structure. Whereas for me, I have quite an unorthodox structure to life and I just try and treat every day as a new learning experience and try to learn something new every single day. And that just keeps me going, but it also does definitely cause a lot of chaos in my head and stops, gives me some restless nights. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, but that's beautiful. Don't stop learning. Don't just do. Keep learning. I love that, man. And that, I, that effort, that earnestness comes through again. It's, and I think you labeling it the most honest magic, it's because you're in all these different cultures. And my initial question to myself was, I wonder if culturally people react differently. But they all kind of had a unanimous, obviously that element of surprise that, wow, how does he do that? That look to, the, look to someone to kind of explain it. But because it was truthful, it came from a, 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 a truthful point, uh, point from you, as, uh, it's seeped in humanity that they all seem to... I don't know. It was a journey. It wasn't just a quick flash moment. It was a journey. And I love seeing people in Tokyo to Mexico. Although in Mexico, when you're doing the fish hook thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like they were willing it to go wrong. You know, because I'm like, yeah, well, it was like really like, wants him to rip his mouth. Yeah, because it, it's, it's like they like it's like a gang initiation type thing right. that they do. And, you know, it's about seeing who's got the biggest cojones, you know. Um, yeah. So, so they, they was kind this of the area of that was um, probably a bit more cartel activity around this area. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, you know, it was. We, you know, whenever I go to places, I, I don't just want to go and see the glamorous side to everything. You know, I didn't go up in a glamorous place, and I feel I've got more connection with people from places such as Tapito and Juarez, and you know, and the favelas in Rio, as well as, you know, the slums in India, you know, I feel yeah. that they are my people. And I'm, I'm, if I feel like it's my job to represent us because not, we don't often have people representing us. You know, if you look at a lot of our heroes don't necessarily always like come from our surroundings. Whereas right. I think, you know, having someone from these places to kind of go and go and represent us is important. And for me, filming in these places, it just is probably where I feel the most at home. I feel uncomfortable in some ways being in the more glamorous places because I almost feel like, although I'm very fortunate to get to go to these places now, I don't totally feel like I belong. It's not normal for me to be in these places. You know, I grew up on a council estate and I've been lucky enough to perform on royal estates, but mm. I always feel more at home just kind of being with the real people. And, well, you, and that's... You, yeah, and it comes across and it like you know you're very fortunate to be in the home you are in now but I, that doesn't define you one bit the guy we saw in the hospital the guy who talks about his grandfather the guy this is why you can easily connect where i love the big vegasy stuff too you know the big illusions the big rats you know all the lights and cameras whatnot but you're you presented something that was real to get the same reaction but also at moments people were in tears because of where you connected them to, to something that was real to them. Yeah, I've always tried to make the moments of magic that I share poignant and not just, like I said, they're not just tricks. It's not just about, here's this cool thing I want to show you. Mm. It's 
let's try create an experience that will never happen with anybody else in the world and will only be meaningful to us right here and now, but something that you'll tell your grandkids about in years to come. You know, how can we have an impact in on someone that that far exceeds the legacy? In a hundred years from now, when I'm no longer around, you know, I hopefully there'll still be some of these stories going around, people telling people about there was this guy a hundred years ago and he did this thing and then we had this moment together. And you know, like I, I kind of think that for me, like the the way that I'm looking at things now is more thinking, all right, how do I find a way to create an experience that inspires the next dynamo, the next, you know, and then how do, and then will that person go on and inspire another 10 people themselves? Because my legacy is my grandpa's legacy. He inspired me and gave me that feeling. And I want to share that feeling with other people and then inspire them to find the magic in themselves to then share that with more people. And it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy and it just keeps my grandpa's legacy going, but then it also starts new legacies for new people, which can hopefully far outseed any of our time on this planet. Perfectly sums up what we will leave with after watching Beyond Belief. You, you 100% will, this legacy will live on because people will be inspired. I know I left that, I text Darren, I was like, can I learn to do this? Because I love the theater of it. I love the connection of it. I love the humanity of it. Because that's why I wanted to become an actor. And this is another element of it. But it, it left me inspired. To, that's why I wanted to know how you think. How do you, how do you keep creative? How do you keep the pro, the process alive? And it's stunning. Thank you, man. Like, I mean, it's it's really nice to hear hear this because whenever you create anything, you know. You, like you with your acting you go out on stage and you put your heart out there for people and you want this type of reaction this is you know this is the thing that um is so gratifying to hear this and just thank you for the kind words i'm so glad that someone of your stature who who does understand the process that goes into making shows and bringing stories to life you know it's almost more meaningful coming from someone like yourself because i know Thanks, that you bro. understand the work that goes into it well, before I let you go, I, I'm trying to ask everyone these same two quick questions. And um, if you don't mind, first one, what made you smile yesterday? What made me smile yesterday? Um, it was probably just hearing my Nana's voice on the phone. Oh, mate. Beautiful. It's a simple thing, but, it is, but it's the simple, thing, simple things in life at the moment that, are, you know, that I think everybody right now can understand that, you know, we probably took a lot of things for granted before this whole lockdown situation, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, you know, my grandma, she's not got FaceTime. She's not able to kind of communicate like this. And she can't even really speak on the phone that clear because she doesn't know how to use her hearing aid. So, but when I call her, if she answers, then at least I know that she's well because she's on, she's got up and been able to answer the phone. Yeah. I don't really have much of a conversation, but just, you know, when I hear her answer that phone, it just definitely put a smile on my face to know that she's, she's still going, bless her. Beautiful. And then first happy childhood memory that comes to your mind right now. I mean, because we talked about it earlier, probably when my grandpa showed me magic when yeah. I was seven. And that's fair enough. Yeah. Because you're incredibly inspiring, incredibly exciting. And uh, I, I, I get so excited knowing that you're constantly coming up with new and, and different ways to uh, take us on a journey. And beyond belief is beyond belief, brother. 
So I'm so glad I got to see it, and thanks for hanging with me. Thank you so much, Matt. Well, folks, thanks for hanging with myself and Dynamo. I was truly inspired by this man. Please do check out Beyond Belief. It's an incredible series. It's touching. And of course, it'll leave your jaw on the floor. The Hang is produced by Dory Berestein and Alan Seals from the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find me online at bpn.fm forward slash The Hang. Don't forget, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Ramin Karamlu, on YouTube, a roaming Iranian, or my Facebook page, official Ramin Karamlu. Music for my podcast is by my friends in one of my favorite bands, The Dives. Please check them out at their website, thedivesmusic.com. That's thedivesmusic.com, where you can get to know them, hear their incredible music, get links to all their socials, and most importantly, their tour dates, where you can find out where you can see and hear them live. They are truly a great band, and they are phenomenal live. Check them out. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.